Welcome, friends, to Inside the Writer's Cafe. I'm Cheryl Mason. Our show features the hottest authors and introduces you to exciting new authors talking about themselves and their latest books. Our show today is filled with magical beings, dark magic, and lives in peril. Thomas Rottinghouse takes readers to a world of fantasy in his novel, Grey Wolf, book one of the Dragon Spawn trilogy. The dark wizard Lynch is saved by a Majiri warrior named Lorne Grey Wolf, setting in motion a series of events pitting the two men against a common dark enemy, the wizard Timon Backhelm. Timon's power is so great Lynch realizes that the only way to defeat him is to create the magical being, the dragon spawn. The big question is will the dragon spawn be loyal to its creators or simply leave a path of death and destruction? Journey to the Land of Diamond Fire, Journey of Secrets Past, and Journey to Solve the Problems of Treachery are the first three journey novels written by author Janet Sazanik. In Journey to Fight Deceptions, the journey continues as we follow the adventures of Thor, Valkyrie, and Bernhild as the three friends travel the countryside with grit and determination, fighting evil, and trying to solve the riddles that have changed their lives forever. Thomas Rottinghouse studied literature and journalism at Colorado Mesa University. He became enamored with J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit when he was a freshman in high school, and he's still an avid reader of fantasy and science fiction. He drew inspiration for his book, Grey Wolf, book one of the Dragonspawn trilogy from Tolkien, Stephen King, and Isaac Asimov. So let's meet Thomas Rottinghouse. Thomas, welcome. Thank you. I have read the excerpt on Amazon for Grey Wolf, and I really enjoyed it. It's so character-rich, and you've got all these wonderful magical beings like trolls and, trolls and witches and warlocks and giants and all this dark magic. Give us and our listeners a little bit of an overview of your main characters that will be carried through in the Dragon Spawn trilogy, and then let's talk about this current book. Okay, um, the character that most of my readers are saying that they're falling in love with is Lynch, who is a dark wizard, who is uh, several hundred years old, and uh, he is a unique character. He uh, flows back and forth from being um, a dark wizard, and as we find out through the story, he has a past that ties closely with the Majiri warriors as well. And he is one of the main characters, but the book is actually named after uh, Lorne Greywolf, who is a Majiri warrior and um, rescues Lynch when Lynch just happens to be in a very weak moment. And the two become unlikely allies. Very unlikely. <laughs> Extremely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, as we find out, they actually become friends. Well, I loved 
the, the magical characters, the scribe, the scribe Nish that's in the, he's in the very beginning of the book, and you made him such a brave little character. Where did you get the idea for the Nish character? Mm, I actually have no idea where Nish came from. Ah! <laughs> One of those uh, maybe moments of genius, I'm not sure yet, but... <laughs> Uh, he just sprang to life. I mean, I needed someone to get out the the main idea of the dragon spawn, that he would come from the lineage of Grey Wolf. And uh, Nish was, he was a convenient character, and as it turned out, he fit in very well. The description of Nish in the, in the book says that he's an accident of nature, or... It is an accident of nature because <laughs> you say they don't have gender. They're neither male nor female, that they're little. So I immediately thought of an elf or a fairy and that they're mild-mannered and that they have this gigantic capacity for assimilating, comprehending, and storing knowledge. And he can also smell knowledge. I thought that was such an interesting feature to give to this character. Yeah, they the scribes thrive on knowledge. So yeah, they they seek it out in every corner of the world. In this case, the world is Norland, and it leads them into danger. And uh, the scribes will return also later on in the story. Oh, good. Oh, good. I like them very much. What okay. inspired you to write this book? Um, I think that my inspiration was drawn just from my own desire to create an entertaining story that combined different genres. And traditional fantasy is sometimes a little too dry for me. I wanted it to be rich in character, also in action, and not too much dialogue. And uh, hopefully I have accomplished that. Oh, I think you have very well. It, it's action-packed. I mean, from the moment we begin reading the book, uh, something is happening. We, we come in on Lynch at the very beginning, and he's being stalked by a, a bounty hunter who is also a Majiri warrior, and we go through that episode with Lynch, and then he's attacked by magical characters who sound like a cross between, I don't know, dragons and dinosaurs, and they sounded like really bad guys. I mean, it, it goes from the action is really nonstop. Because then we roll right into seeing Grey Wolf and Smiling Jack and Bill McCurry and John the Ox Duvet in the middle of a bad situation with the Black Queen. So it's just action, 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 one thing right after another. Did this just come to you? What's your writing process? I mean, I know that many authors will write stream of consciousness. They'll sit down and it's like a movie starts in their head. Other authors will sit down and outline everything to the nth degree before they even begin to write. What's your process, Thomas? I do write a lot from stream of consciousness, but I also spend sometimes eight to ten hours a day on the seat of a tractor, which 
allows my mind plenty of time to wander and create new characters, new scenarios, uh, the complex setup that will make a story thrive. And I will, I will imagine these things throughout the entire day. And when I get home in the evening, the first thing I do is get out a notebook and start writing down notes <laughs> before I forget something. <laughs> you know, that's, that's wonderful. What you're doing is called distraction. And you're just letting your mind just go wherever it wants to go while you're physically doing something else. And that's a very powerful writing technique. Well, it uh, it works for me. I think I you know I I can come up with some pretty interesting things sitting on the seat of a tractor. <laughs> I, I would say so, and, and I hope while you're sitting there, you're seeing all this action taking place, like you're right there in front of you. I thought this was just terrific. I can see it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I guess I was born with a, a good imagination because. I can see these characters doing everything that I've written down. Do the characters just come to you full-blown like you said Nish did? Nish was a rarity for me. I mean, he, yeah, he just kind of popped into my mind. Lynch and Lauren Graywolf, Smiling Jake, they all, all took some development and, I hope, developed throughout the story. How did you know when you began to write this that it would be a trilogy? Because up front, you've told us that this is going to be a, a trilogy. I didn't really know it. The first book I wrote is actually now the second book of the trilogy. Ah, so okay. we're almost reading a prequel. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Grey Wolf was written second, but is published first to give the background for the story. And I do have uh, volumes two and three. The storyline is complete, but I'm making revisions and editing as I go. Good. That's a good thing to do. Would you give any advice to would-be writers out there? Um, yeah, I think have confidence in yourself. That's the most important thing. I mean, it's not everyone's going to be picked up immediately by a publisher. Not everyone's going to even be able to land an agent. But if you have a story that you think is entertaining, keep after it. I agree. And I think another piece of advice would be to write every day. If you really think you want to do this, it's like any other job. You have to do it every day. Would you agree? I would agree, absolutely. And who knows, maybe if you if you hit an area where you've got writer's block on your current story, set it down for a moment, start something else, and just write whatever comes to you. Good. I think that's an excellent suggestion. Now, if the listeners want to know more about you, want to know more about the other books, 
where can they go find out information about you? Now, they can go to Amazon. As I said, if they'll go to just Amazon.com and put in the name of Gray Wolf, and it's spelled G-R-A-Y-W-U-L-L-F, book one of the Dragon Spawn trilogy, and then put your name, Thomas Rottinghouse, R-O-T-T-I-N-G, H-A-U-S, it'll come right up, and they can find out a little bit of information about you because there is an author bio there, and there's also an excerpt from the book, and then there's a brief description of the book. But if they want to know more, where can they find out about you? I do have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash graywolf, book one of the Dragon Spawn Trilogy. And I will post whatever news is relevant at the time on that page. Oh, that's great. So they'll be able to see where you are with the other books, how close they are to being available, etc. Exactly. And if you know there will be book signings or any other relevant matter, it will be posted. Now, if people want to get the book, we've already talked about Amazon, but it's also available other places. Is that correct? It is. It's available at the authorhouse.com bookstore, as well as barnesandnoble.com, and I believe gohastings.com also has the ebook. Excellent. Well, what's your target audience for this book? Um, I think probably the people who will be mainly interested in the book will be probably males from. Uh, I would say 25 to 40, 45 years old. But uh, all readers probably between those ages are going to be interested in it. And I have some readers in their teens who are telling me that they really like it. Well, I'll vote for the females over here. I found, okay. it, I found it very interesting. I mean, I, I enjoyed what I read. It made me want me to read more. And when the excerpt was over, I thought, what? wait, I'm not ready for this to stop. So I think that's a really a nice compliment for an author whenever your book stops, and I want more. Thank you. I appreciate that. Certainly. One more question. When the readers finish the book, is there something you want them to take away? Do you simply want to entertain them and let them leave their daily world and go into a world of wonderful fantasy? Or is there some deeper, darker message that you want to leave them with? The story is mainly to entertain. If there is a deeper message, it is everyone should have a personal code, like the Majiri have their code, which dictates their lives. But you should follow your code. Excellent. Well, Thomas, this has been great fun. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today on Inside the Writer's Cafe. And I want to wish you the best of luck with the book. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're listening to Inside the Writer's Cafe, brought to you on webtalkradio.net. Janet Sasonic started writing when she was a child. She moved from short stories to poetry to stories of adventure. Currently, she's writing a young adult fantasy novel series with a journey theme. 
Journey to the Land of Diamond Fire, Journey of Past Secrets, and Journey to Solve the Riddles of Treachery are the first three novels. Janet joins us today to talk about the fourth novel in the series, Journey to Flight Deceptions. Janet, welcome. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. You have created a world of fantasy and fighting, friendship and honor, and strength and bravery with this group of friends that you have that travel around and fight evil. Did you start this whole series on purpose? Did you mean to write a series? Actually, the very first book I wrote almost 20 years before I published it. I always knew it was going to be these first three characters that you're introduced to, Valkyrie and Thor and Bernhild, and they took on such a life of their own that after the first book, I'm like, well, I could easily do a sequel to this. And then I wrote the second book, and the second book is kind of a cliffhanger into the third and the third into the fourth. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be as presumptuous to say in the first book, oh, you have to read the second to follow what's going on. But the second, third, and fourth kind of go into each other. Let's talk about especially the recurring characters because it's my experience that when an author writes a series, they do have those characters that go from the first novel novel to the second, to the third, to the fourth, and I understand that you're also working on a fifth. So let's talk about those characters. Okay. Uh, the first one I'll mention is Valkyrie. She is a very strong character, a very uh, female warrior who left her village in the first book because a sacred icon was stolen from her village. And being that her and her family were the ones in charge of security and protecting the village because their religion said it cannot be stolen, it has to be returned, or a terrible calamity will happen if it's not returned to the temple. It was up to her to go and get it. And in the process of her quest, she ended up meeting Thor, who was traveling, unbeknownst to her, to the same group of raiders who attacked her village because they also had attacked his friend's kingdom and attacked his niece and basically threatened to come back and harm her again. And the poor thing was obviously terrified, and he was basically going out as a mercenary to avenge what happened to her. And they ended up meeting, and since they were going after the same raiders, they decided to join forces. And then the last one is Brunhild. Bernhild is a, is actually my favorite character that's recurring through the entire book. He's what one of my readers described as Valkyrie and Thor's Jiminy Cricket. He's, <laughs> he's a wonderful little guy. He's a half, uh, a half dwarf, half elf. He is older than them, so in a lot of ways he's wiser. He doesn't have the same temper that both Valkyrie and Thor have, so he's not as impulsive. He could pull them back a little bit, but he's also he also knows how to fight, obviously nowhere near as strong as his two companions, but he's also a healer, which is very handy to have as you're going through, you know, fighting people. It helps to have somebody who might be able to fix you. You know, I think it's great the way that you have taken these characters and given them, it reminds me of the value 
that each of us has in society because you've given each of these characters their own particular strengths. And it when I say strength, I don't necessarily mean physical strength because right. you just talked about Brunhild being a, a, a healer. I think it's great that you've taken these three characters and they all support one another and each one brings something, quote, differently, I'm doing air quotes here, to the party. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, that that is a reflection to me of the way friendship, true friendship, works. Absolutely. I think that most of the strongest friendships that most people have in their lifetimes they say opposites attract, and a lot of times your friends have a lot in common with you, but one might be, you know, the cooler one, and one might be the more impulsive one, and, you know, hey, let's go off on this little adventure and, and you know, go to this party or whatever, and the quieter one begrudgingly goes, knowing she's probably going to call, you know, bring this one home too early because the other one wants to stay too long and get into trouble. That's <laughs> kind of the best friendships. And that's exactly what these three do. I mean, they meet many, many people on their way. Go, some friends, some more and more enemies. But they're always, they always have each other's back, and they always know what each other's weaknesses is. They're not perfect. They know this one's not good at this. This one's not good at this. This one might tend to let his anger override his reason and jump into a battle he's not prepared for. So they all support each other in that way. Well, let's talk about their latest adventure. Let's talk about Journey to Flight Deceptions. What's going to happen? I mean, I know the harpies are playing a role in this, and this is a very, I loved it. As I was reading it, I thought, yes, 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 and I'm right there fighting <laughs> the battles with you. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening in this novel. Well, the harpies were an interesting little creation I made. Obviously, everybody's heard of harpies in different mythologies, and I just put them into my own little how I see them. And like I said, the second, third, and fourth book run into each other, and the fourth book is kind of the climax of what's been happening. Because unbeknownst to the main characters, there has been this one character that you don't see very much in the book. You see just an undercurrent of this person, but they, for their own basically political gain in the kingdom that Thor is friends with, that person feels that this trio is in her way to, for her to get into the hierarchy of the royal court and is doing things under the table, so to speak, to try to destroy them and has been sneaky enough so far that they don't realize it's her. But this all comes up, comes to a head in this fourth book. And she's a spy, so she's, she's giving information to their enemies, the Harpies, at this point. And they really have a problem with Valkyrie. What is it that Valkyrie has done to the Harpies that's made them so angry? The Harpies are able to control the males of any species with their siren call. Valkyrie has, is the only one who's been able to defeat them in any battle because she's a strong warrior woman. She's brave enough to do what she needs to, and she ended up rescuing a group of men that the Harpies had held captive 
because of being a woman and not being affected by the siren call, she was able to get in there long enough to get them out. And the leader of the Harpies can't deal with the fact that they were defeated, basically. And that's one of the segues from Journey to Solve the Riddles of Treachery into the latest novel, the Journey to Flight Deceptions, right? Correct. So we're going to have a battle. We don't start out that way, though. The book begins with a party. Yes. They're, they're in the kingdom of Lordsgate, and the queen is planning this big party, and she's very excited about this big celebration. Oh, she's a she's a complete doting mother. She's like the the old fashioned Italian grandmother who's planning this huge party with you know so much food that no one could possibly eat it all. And this is what she loves to do. And this is a basically a yearly festival, and everything is happy go lucky. And right in the middle of all of this, problems start to occur. Right, which any good fantasy book is going to have the problems begin to occur so that the adventure can start. Absolutely. Now, there's a fifth book? Yes, I'm in the process of working on the fifth book. Well, the fourth one is so much fun. I read the excerpt on Amazon, and if any of our listeners are interested in perhaps starting with that excerpt, they can go to Amazon.com, and they can just put in your name. And I'm going to spell your last name, Janet, because they may not exactly know how to spell it. It's C-E-S-A-N-E-K. And they can put in Journey to Flight Deceptions by Janet, S- Janet S- I- I'm trying to get Susanic out, Sedlonic. There we go. I got it. Yes, you did. Yeah. It's, it, sometimes my mouth works and sometimes it doesn't when I'm doing these interviews. <laughs> Sorry. I have the same problem. That's one of the reasons I'm a writer and not a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> well, they could go and put your name in and will they be able to find the other three books they all if you put my name on on amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com or authorhouse.com all four books come up they're available in soft cover and hard cover and they're also available in kindle format for those who prefer that oh perfect now i know that there are listeners who would like to know more about the books like to know more about the characters perhaps like to know more about you is there a way that they can connect with you they can go to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Janet Sasonic. And I am in the process of making up a website that will be connected to the Facebook page that they'll be able to click onto it because more and more people have asked about a website. And I will probably have that one up within a month or two. And that way you could read a little more. I'll put more detailed descriptions of the characters so you could get to know them a little more. People become very attached to these characters, don't they? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, Burnhill is my creation, but he's really my favorite out of the three. I love it. Well, you know, I think you will have a favorite. As a writer, you see the characters there as real to you as reaching out and and touching somebody that's sitting next to you. And that creative process is a very strong process. And I think, of course, some of your characters you'll like better than others. Oh, yes. And, of course, I have to put in 
there's bad guy characters in there and you have to have the characters that you love to hate as well. You have to have the characters like, Oh, I can't stand this person because you need somebody that's a real antagonist. Well, and I got, try to put that in. We've got to have somebody that fires the action, right? <laughs> exactly. Did you write this, this particular book or this particular series just to entertain the reader or is there a deeper message or a deeper purpose that you had in mind? Well, writing has always been my creative outlet. Like I, like you said at the beginning of the interview, I've been writing my entire life. It's something that's therapeutic for me. It's something that's relaxing for me. And one of the best things for any writer is to have their works read. Whether you love them or whether you hate them, you want to be able to share them with everybody else. And that is one of the biggest goals. So I want people to be able to take these books and sit down for an hour or two and just relax and be able to escape the world for a little while and go into this little realm that I've created. So I would basically say entertainment is the most that I'm looking for. And I like the way that you use the word escape because that's that's one of the reasons that I'm such a big reader. It's a way that I use to manage my stress because if I can sit down and jump into the world in Journey to Flight Deceptions that you have created, I see those characters in my head. I see the action flowing in my head. And that doesn't give me time to think about what's going on in my own life. And so if I have a stress job or if I'm uh, experiencing something bad in a family way or if I have an illness. I think reading is a very, very therapeutic thing to do for all kinds of wonderful reasons. And thank you for writing such good books and thank you for joining us today, Janet. Thank you for having me and thank you for the compliment. Our time is up and we'd like to thank you for yours. Remember, Pick up a good book and read.